just a sense of denial or not even a sense of denial, being in denial about something that's very important to the business. Um, and, and maybe as a founder or an entrepreneur, you're not seeing clearly. So finding um, colleagues that can be brutally honest with you, um, whether that's friends, family, or partners, or business partners, other partners, um, is very important. And I think uh, you can try and self-realize every day, but that's a challenge, right? We all know that. So having outside accountability is helpful, but I think constantly questioning yourself and being okay with that, um, taking negative feedback as, or even critical feedback is something that's really valuable and important. Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that has grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And if you ever have any questions on patents or trademarks, feel free to go to strategymeeting.com and grab some time with us. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast. As always, we never have a bad guest, but it's another great one. Is uh, Darian Parrish, say it right? And uh, Darian, um, so a, this is a quick introduction, got a degree in, I think it was material sciences and math and engineering. I know something of that realm, um, love problem solving and uh, went to, or, or throughout the, or throughout the experience, went to do problem solving. I think one of the first ones he landed on was on human trafficking, thought, he, or thought about joining the FBI to kind of solve that while he was looking at the FBI and the lengthier process and qualifications, did a bit of work for Microsoft. Um, and then uh, worked on better qualifying to get in the FBI and did an MBA, continued to do other things, got a master's degree, um, and then switched gears a bit and uh, did startups, um, worked with a few other people, and then uh, did some things with the comp business competition and starting up and shutting down businesses with an investment firm, raising millions of dollars and scaling and all those things. And then uh, jump, and then, and then we'll jump forward a bit today as to where he's at or where he's at now. So, with that much as an introduction, welcome onto the podcast, Darian. Thanks, Devin. I appreciate you having me, and uh, you, you pretty much covered everything, so I don't even know if I need to, to share anything at this point. So it's kind of like the old Seinfeld, you know, leaving on a high note, we'll just call it there, there'll be the episode. But no, so I, I touched on it briefly, but now taking us back in time, walk us through a bit more, kind of getting the, the sciences degree and kind of looking at doing FBI, tackling problems, and kind of walk us through a bit of how that got going, and let's hear your journey. Yeah, thanks. Well, um, it's it's rare. I haven't really taken anyone through the full journey. And so I think I'll start at the beginning and I'll, I'll keep it brief on the early days. But uh, between uh, probably day zero and day 700, I uh, mm. wasn't wasn't doing much talking, but but was doing a lot of listening and observing. Um, I had mm. an older sister who did all the talking for me. So <laughs> I can I can thank her for for my what I consider one of my superpowers of, of astute observation. Uh, so, so maybe she needs like uh, part of my income uh, stream for that. So <laughs> uh, I won't take any credit there. But um, going into college, I think has as my brain developed a little further, you know, uh, getting older and maturing brain, mm. I, I realized that problem solving was just um, really what what my focus was on a daily basis. And part of this was observing, um, having that empirical evidence, and then trying to infer something from that. So. Um, naturally, that led to uh, engineering and uh, applied math focus in, mm. in university. And um, then, you know, I also had an interest in if we're going to have all these ideas and we're going to do all this, you know, focus and learning about it, how do we make sure that that has impact? 
So mm -hmm. who's going to use these innovations, these ideas? Um, so commercialization became interesting to me. And, and later I get a business degree that, that helps with that. So, um, mm. but, but while at university, I think, you know, everyone was talking about what, what do you do next? What's, what's your, your vision for the future? And I think for me, I just wanted to solve a really big problem. I wanted to make an impact. Um, I had uh, always thought that there's certain um, fundamental human rights that I don't want to take for granted. And one of them I've had is freedom. So I think that led to uh, me thinking about human trafficking, which you mentioned, and, and just how um, that's such a big problem that, that the fun, what I've perceived as the biggest fundamental right is, is being stripped from um, others. And so uh, that was a, a mission-driven thing I wanted to work on and I felt passionate about and wasn't really sure how to go about solving it directly, but mm. um, thought one of the paths, and, and as all missions, uh, there, there's multiple paths to, to the solution, uh, was to join the FBI and, and be a special agent for the FBI. So I uh, started researching. Uh, luckily, the internet was was useful, and um, this is in the time of the internet. So, uh, you know, was able to find that previous law enforcement experience was useful. So I uh, studied to be a sheriff's deputy. I uh, did some testing for that. And while doing that, um, learned that a graduate degree would also be helpful. And so um, sure enough, started doing that as well. And um, while I was uh, looking in the criteria for, for a graduate degree, specifically an MBA, uh, the, one of the recommendations or highly preferred was uh, big company experience. So um, let me uh, real quick, just jump in. Is, so you were looking, cause I think that you said that it was a, a longer process, if I remember right, and if I'm putting words in your mouth, by all means, longer process that you anticipated or it was going to take longer. And that was also part of getting the big company experiences. Hey, while you're getting all the ducks in a row, you know, let's, we need to make an income, want to, you know, earn a living as well as prepare yourself. So I, is that, is that a correct recollection? Yep. Yeah. So that's, that was definitely part of it. I think, it, you know, this was all something that to it, to an outsider looked like maybe random decisions. Um, and so, uh, you know, without the reasoning behind it, you know, why, why is someone going from being interested in engineering and math to being uh, interested in law or even not even just the study of law, but the, the actual service of law? And uh, then, you know, going to big tech um, after, you know, studying to be sheriff's deputy, very, very um, seemingly random, but I think, uh, you know, internally, uh, being focused or mission driven is about doing these things that are the mechanisms to getting to where you want to be. And mm. so, so to me, it was very, um, you know, laser focused on my end goal. Uh, and so there, there was a bit of, you know, wanting to make progress as, you know, the paperwork and stuff uh, trailed on. Mm. And so I think um, there was learning that happened, you know, while I was at Microsoft, while I was getting my MBA simultaneously. Uh, that there's a lot of resources required to solve some of these very large problems and in human trafficking mm. is one of those very large and complex global problem. Mm. And, and that's when I thought, you know, I can't just go attack this with a pen and paper. Um, you know, I have to build up some uh, resources and some of those being financial or network and, and connections. Mm. And, and that got me interested in building my own business. I, I saw that as the fastest path to accomplishing what I wanted to do. Mm. And uh, Honestly, it didn't really matter the business to me to some extent because it was about building that capital. Mm. And uh, so I just got started, um, you know, uh, had a few partners in the, the first business. We, we built a fintech app uh, and then uh, succeeding that was uh, the hedge fund I ran. 
And the, again, the goal was just to build that capital. So, um, you know, a fund was a, a way to do that. Managing money um, it was a good network, you know, a global network of investors. Um, but again, the goal still being, uh, you know, the social impact type of mission, not just making a lot of money for the sake of making a lot of money. Not that everyone knew that or every one of my investors knew that. So, so you did that now. So Microsoft and then after Microsoft, I think, you know, as you're continuing to work to be better qualified, I think you also got an MBA along the way and then you jumped to the startups. Is that right? And kind of in that order. And yes, I, I actually also got my master's in strategy thinking that um, really getting uh, interested in, in, in game theory and some of the negotiating tactics that would be required if I were to, again, continue to pursue this human trafficking issue. And so the mm -hmm. so business strategy, um, uh, thinking about it in such a covert way, uh, you know, sounds a little, um, you know, suspicious thinking about these, these companies with your big, with your data and big data, trying to be strategic with your data and how, how they use these as customers maybe is concerning, but I think, you know, uh, the strategy behind business and, and is very fascinating and, and somewhat similar to the tactical, um, you, the way you would execute the tactics, um, in the field. No, and I think that that makes sense. So what, cutting to the chase just a bit, and then I'll get back to your journey. So did you just, I'm sure people are wondering by now, did you ever actually join the FBI or did you end up going down that route or did you not? And it just is a short answer. Then we'll get Yeah, back. Uh, no, so I actually didn't. So I, I was just uh, had the application and, and realized, um, you know, I had all the, um, I had all the credentials and I had spent all this time and maybe this is a good time to talk about sunk cost. Um, you know, it, it didn't want to fall into the sunk cost fallacy. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so I did all that stuff. Um, didn't mean I had to fill out that application if if I didn't see it as the the right next step. So mm -hmm. always looking to the forward decision. Um, you know, in finance, we say historical performance is not indicative of future performance. Same thing in startups. You know, if you have a sunk cost, you've invested time or money somewhere. Um, that doesn't mean you have to stay with that approach, because if it's wrong and, and you see something that's better to, to accomplish your goals, you, you need to focus on what's going to be most successful going forward. So um, actually didn't. And then, then, then um, you know, went into uh, full focus on startups and it really acquire, uh, requires full attention. Mm. So now you, so now you are, you started focusing on, on startups and small businesses. So, you know, so we're along this journey, you know, now that you're doing startups, small businesses, looking, you're working with an investment firm and that, how did that transition over to what you're kind of doing today? And I think that you, if I remember right, we want to chat a little bit before that you were kind of focused on, or I don't know, helping underprivileged technologies or technologies that maybe the timing wasn't right, or they're misunderstood or needed to be adjusted. Is that kind of where you're at now or kind of help us bring us to kind of full circle to where you're at today or kind of how you made the transition to where you're, what you're doing today? Yeah, absolutely. So um, you, you're right. What I focus on is underappreciated technologies in, in the current business I co-founded called Rad Seattle. Mm. And uh, what an underappreciated technology is, is it's a company that has very high potential for impact, but it's just not receiving that same um, accompanying trajectory of, of adoption that you would expect. So mm. I think this is one of those instances where um, we need to raise awareness to those tools that are available one example would be remote work tools before the pandemic. Um, obviously, the pandemic was a very large catalyst, and you, you don't always get a catalyst that large. Um, mm. But these tools could have been helping um, startups as well as larger organizations far before the pandemic um, in just you know flexibility, whether it be 
needing to work from home for parenting. Um, there's a lot of benefits that uh, companies could have been retaining uh, talent, even just access to a distributed workforce, um, finding talent in, in uh, locations outside of the headquarters. Um, that, that level of flexibility is really, I think, really important to the, the growth of, of industry and something that the tools were present, but there wasn't the trust or, or awareness around them. So we're looking at similar things from a thesis approach with saying, what's something really big over the next few decades, very long time horizon. Um, one of the things we're focused on right now is, is the no code space. So mm -hmm. enabling entrepreneurs and startups, having seen this challenge firsthand, um, to build applications very rapidly, whether it's just prototype or even production. So lowering that cost, just like the public cloud did for, for compute, being able to you know, lease a very small portion of a server, um, having that lower barriers to entry, and a lot of SaaS has done that just in general. Um, lowering the barriers to entry for, for startups and new businesses, I think is really important for the ecosystem uh, to grow. No, and I, and I, and I'm, I, I think that that completely makes sense. You know, one of the interesting things when, you know, and I said at my firm and it's coming up on almost three years is I was looking at, Hey, I don't want to just be a local firm. Um, you know, we're not one that's the huge big names that everybody recognizes, but at the same time, I want, if we're focusing on startups and small businesses, we wanted to be accessible across, you know, across the country because we can practice on, we practice on a federal level. We can work with country. We don't have to be barred in a particular state as long as you have a bar license. And one of the th interesting things is we were, I don't know, early adopters, I guess, and that's way overused term on a lot of technology and, and setting us up for it. So it, it was interesting when, you know, when COVID hit, we were already really set up. Most of our clients weren't local, weren't working. You know, we were already doing a lot of the remote Zoom and phone calls and having them go through that process. And so it's interesting sometimes if people almost to your point would adopt those technologies, you don't always need that big push. But if you don't have the awareness or somebody that has the foresight, it's one that they often until they, you know, until they have somebody that's a proponent for them and, and put, shows the use of it is one that they don't get adopted as well as they should have. Well, as we start to wrap up the podcast, and, and we, I always ask two questions at the, towards the end of the podcast, so we'll jump to those now. So the first question I always ask is, so along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made, and what did you learn from it? Yeah, so th this one, uh, there's, there's many, of course, but um, you know, one of them uh, being is, is not valuing the flexibility a startup requires. So getting into a long-term contract, uh, whether that be AWS, multi-year contract, uh, public cloud, um, mm -hmm. or in an instance I'll refer to is, is paying for, for access, whether it be to investors or a network and thinking, you know, paying a large upfront fee just because some reason I need that access uh, is, is not a very wise thing to do. I think the barriers to entry, again, as I mentioned, are coming down. So, um, you know, access should be de democratized in a way. Um, there's always going to be someone coming to sell you something, and it may be for a very big dollar amount, and it may be um, a pretty big obligation. Um, value flexibility, and uh, I think that's something that's important in startups. No, and I think that that's absolutely right, and I think that's a, a good lesson to learn from the journey along the way. So, now we'll talk, jump to the second question, which is, if you're now talking with uh, someone that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? 
Yeah, so giving advice without context is very hard, but I'll, I'll share my experience. I think um, I've observed and, and battled with this myself is just a sense of denial or not even a sense of denial, being in denial about something that's very important to the business. Um, and, and maybe as a founder or an entrepreneur, you're not seeing clearly. So mm. finding um, colleagues that can be brutally honest with you, um, whether that's friends, family, or partners, or business partners, other partners, um, is very important. And I think uh, you can try and self-realize every day, but that's a challenge, right? We all know that. So having outside accountability is helpful, but I think constantly questioning yourself and being okay with that, um, taking negative feedback as, or even critical feedback is something that's really valuable and important um, because, um, you know, honestly, you have to ask yourself every day, you know, what am I not seeing or, or more so what am I seeing that's not right? Um, I think, you know, I, I noted down a Mark Twain quote really here, uh, here because I think this is probably good. Mm. Um, he says it better than I do, which is, is it ain't what you don't know that gets you into trouble. It's what you know for sure that ain't so. <laughs> and so I think that that sums it up. You know, if you, if you think something's the truth and it's really not and, and you're, you have conviction, but, but it's uh, false conviction, um, that can be a problem. So I think you know, uh, some people call it strong opinions held loosely. Um, you know, you got to be uh, let new evidence uh, when it presents itself, change your mind, and um, you know, be actively seeking that evidence that might disprove something you think you know to be true. No, and I and I think that there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, I, I like now if we're quoting Mark, I'll quote with Mark Cuban, and I'm I'm sure I'll slaughter it because I didn't look it up. But he, you know, basically says, you know, every day you should be getting up thinking how your competition's going to kick your butt type of a thing, and with the idea that if you're not thinking how is a competition going to out, you know, outperform me, outdo me, you're you're going to be the you are going to get outperformed or outdone. So I think that you know a little bit along your point is, you know, getting that feedback, having those people in your circle. And I think that, you know, most of the time, the worst people to ask for feedback are your friends and your family in the sense that they're going to be too nice. They're going to just want to be support or support you. They're going to want to give you that positive encouragement, but they're not going to necessarily be your customer. They're not going to be the one that's going to give you the honest or the brutal feedback. But I think, you know, one, one thing I've always found is when you start asking people for money, they're going to give you a lot more honest feedback than if you just say, what do you think? And they'll say, oh, here's a few ideas. But now if you say, well, you know, will you pay for this? Or I'm, you know, I'd like to get you to pay for this. And they're going to say, well, here's why I wouldn't pay for it. Oh yeah, I would love to pay for it. And here, you know, and then they'll ask, what about this? Or what about this? But I think that that, or they'll say, that's a terrible, it's a great idea, but I'm not, and if they're telling you it's a great idea and they're not willing to pay for it and they're your type of a customer, you got to start to think about that feedback. So I think getting that feedback and that um, input from people along the way is definitely a, a good thing to have as you're trying to build a strong business. Well, before we jump into, and we'll let your people uh, know how to connect up, just as a reminder, recently we rolled out the bonus question that after is after the normal podcast, where we talk about your number one que or intellectual property question, whether it's patents, trademarks, or anything else. So just for those listeners, before we wrap up, if you'd like to stay tuned, keep listening, we'll hit that or at the end of the episode after we wrap up the normal episode. Otherwise, you'll uh, you'll hear us wrap up, and then you can tune out and go do whatever else you have on your on your day. So with that, Darian, if people are wanting to connect up with you, they're wanting to learn out learn more about uh, Rad Seattle. They're wanting to know or be a, an employee. They want to be a customer. They want to pitch you idea. They want to uh, be your next best friend. Any or all of the above. What's the best way to connect up with you? Yeah, you can either email me at darian at radseattle.com, uh, go visit our website at, at radseattle.com, 
uh, or connect with me or follow me on, on Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, just, just search Darian Parrish and, and you'll find me. So I um, look forward to connecting with everyone. Um, Devin, I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story. It's, that's actually the first time I've gone start to finish there. Um, so normally uh, I've talked to about business focus on, on, on the current and present, but um, I think it makes a lot more sense as an entrepreneur um, and, and you specifically talking about the journeys that led here. Sometimes they're not always obvious. And I, I think hopefully uh, my path shows that, but I think, you know, everyone, everyone can get started no matter what the course is. And, and um, I really appreciate your time. No, absolutely. And I'm still slightly disappointed that you never actually went into the FBI, but I'll get over my disappointment. Now, for all of you that are listeners, um, if you're not going to listen or, you know, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to come on the podcast and be a, a, a guest, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com. Glad to be on the podcast. Also, if you're a listener, make sure to click subscribe so you get notifications as all of our new awesome episodes come out and leave us a review so that other people can find us as well. Last but not least, if you ever have any questions, like a bonus question um, regarding patents or trademarks or whatnot, feel free to grab us at uh, strategymeeting.com. We're always here to help. So with that, we'll wrap up the normal episode, but stay tuned for the bonus question about intellectual property. So now that we've wrapped up the normal episode, Darian, or Darian, Let's hear a little bit. I always we have the the bonus question where we're talking a little bit about now my area of expertise, which is more patents and trademarks and protecting growing businesses. So, what is your one? If you could ask one question, which you get asked me, what'd be the one question you'd have about intellectual property? Yeah, so I think um, because this one is reoccurring, um, uh, we'll go with trademarks. You know, I've had to trademark of quite a few business names. And I think uh, trying to figure out when is the right time to trademark a new business name, you know, before getting started, when getting started, what's that ideal uh, time frame? Yeah, so I'll answer it a couple ways. And one is if you're already started and you're getting going versus if you have a new business, you're going to get it started because they're a bit of a different flavor in the sense that. So the first thing, if I, if I were a new business, started, had an idea today, had it, and wanted to get going on the business and, you know, hadn't really started yet. First, I would, you know, you lock down your URL or at least figure out if the, the URL is available. You know, if, if you want, you don't want to have something that you put a whole bunch of time, money and effort to brand it and everything else. And then your URL is so disconnected, you know, and one thing that is interesting is as Google becomes a bigger thing and as people now just search the name of your company, your URL doesn't seem to be as big of a player. But on the other hand, if you now, let's say over a podcast, you want to say radseattle.com or, you know, you want to share strategy meeting com or anything else you still want to have a short url that's easy to explain or people that easy to understand that's not three words and it's 20 characters and everybody's going to misspell so that before i get a, a, a trademark i'd see if the url is available but then i would start for, first thing i would do before getting a trademark is i would um do a quick google search it shocks me how many people don't even search to see if others are other companies that are the same or similar to them are using the name. And if they are, it's an indication you probably want to get a different uh, brand or a different trademark because you're going to run into issues of in trademark infringement or not being able to get the trademark because somebody else has had that. With that in mind, so you do a little bit of homework, see if you got the URL, see if others are using it. Let's say it was a clean path forward. Then I would look at it as where startups always have more things to spend money on than money to spend. And so there's always things that are competing for money. So if you had unlimited budget, I would do it as early as possible. If that's not the case, which is very, or most of the time it's, it's not the case for startups, 
then I would look and see what is the core of your business that you want to protect. So sometimes it's really saying, yeah, well, at some point we'll build a brand, but we're really just a widget company. We really make the really cool products. And if what would be that ouch? If somebody to knock off our name, but we could keep selling our widgets, we're probably okay. Then you're going to want to get a patent. On the other hand, if you're saying, hey, what we're building is the next best service company, we're building a Starbucks or a Coke or a Pepsi or, you know, M&M or something, a big brand, and that's really the core of our business, then it's going to be much earlier because if you're building all of your business around the, uh, the, on the, the brand, you're going to want to make sure to have that protected. And what you don't want to do is wait a year or two or three, start to establish a brand, go get try and get the trademark, find out somebody else's trademarked it, have to rebrand, and then that's a lot more costly. You have to rebrand. You have to let your customers know. You have to change your SEO. You have to change your website, and then it can be a lot more costly. So once you know what – here's the core of our business – if it's centered around brands, I would probably do it fairly early on just to get that locked down so that you're not having to rebrand and go through that. Now, if you're already a business, now the second half of the question is if you're already a business and you're, you know, you've been building it for a few years, then it's a, it can be a bit scary to even figure out if you want a trademark because you don't want to know if you're tra- infringing someone else's trademark and you don't want to have to rebrand. And sometimes it's the old ignorance is bliss. But if you've, if you've already built a brand, it's better to know when to deal with it at any point along the or the journey than to try and wait until somebody notices and sends you a cease and desist letter or you get trademark infringement or anything else. And so if you've already built the company, I would go in at least at a minimum, see if the, that name is available. If not, then you can start to strategize and figure it out. So with all of that said as a long answer, the, the, short, the short answer is earlier in the be- or earlier in the process is better if you're building a brand or building a business with a brand. Got it. Makes sense. So that was very thorough. I, I appreciate the detail. And I think um, a lot of others are going to find that helpful. I've gotten that question a bunch of times and I said, we, we need the expert and then, and you've covered it. So I appreciate that. All right. Well, thanks for your, your boner for, uh, for your bonus question. That was a fun one. And, uh, now, as, as we wrap up the, the, the full podcast, it's uh, been a pleasure to have you on and wish the next letter to give your journey even better than the last. Thank you very much, David.